Now, can you imagine a time when, if I'd said to you virtual reality, you'd stare at me blankly thinking, well, what do you mean virtual reality? Today, we almost just take the term for granted, but that wasn't the case before, of course. American computer philosophy writer, computer scientist, Jaron Lanier is considered virtual reality's most recognizable figure, or one of the most recognizable figures in that world, for popularizing the term itself, founding a company called VPL Research in the 1980s that sold the first VR development kits to scientists, government contractors, and Hollywood studios. And it's our great pleasure to welcome Mr. Lanier on the line today, as virtual reality is forecast to be one of the next big things, even bigger than it is currently. Thank you very much for speaking <laughs> with us. I'm so delighted to speak to you. Thanks for being interested. And, and just quickly on the terms here, augmented reality sometimes steals some of virtual reality's thunder. Are, are those two things very different in your mind, or, or do they overlap? Well, back in the 80s, the term that I used for what we now call augmented reality was mixed reality. And the term mixed reality seems to be having a bit of a comeback. Uh, the, uh, the term virtual reality originally meant something slightly different than what it means today. It used to be the social version of virtual worlds. So the very first step to look in a virtual world was done by uh, Ivan Sutherland, who's also the inventor of computer graphics in general. And that was when I was just a kid, and he talked about seeing a virtual world. And one of the things I did is I thought it would be interesting to connect people together so multiple people could experience this stuff at the same time and become avatars and all of that. And my term for that social version was virtual reality. But these days, virtual reality just means anything that's kind of a simulation that's uh, immersive or, or that you feel like you're inside of. Uh, and uh, mixed reality is where you still see the real world, but you see extra things added to it, also known as augmented reality. And there wasn't a practical way to really do that with a headset until quite recently when we made a device called the HoloLens. That's the first prototype of something like that. I guess uh, if people can start seeing augmented reality or mixed reality through glasses through the windscreens of their cars maybe even through contact lenses um that's when this becomes something that could really take off and perhaps that's why people see such a future for augmented reality but sticking with vr for a moment how would you actually define it you, you you've said it could be anything that uh simulates uh, an alternative reality effectively but you use about 50 different definitions in your recent book dawn of everything well what i have found is that when people think about virtual reality it tends to bring up all sorts of dreams and philosophies and all these things and so they tend to use virtual reality to mean all sorts of stuff both positive and negative it tends to become a metaphor for how you think about imagination and how you think about dreams and how you think about the future. And so I don't think it has a single definition anymore. I mean, I can define it because uh, I, I do my research at Microsoft and we sell products. We can sell you a box with a headset in it, and that is a virtual reality product. So th that's very clear. But I think it means more than that to people. And so I put something like 50 definitions in my book to try to capture all of this richness of the way people think about it. And also staying with the beginning of your journey, what was the moment that you first experienced what you would recognize as virtual reality? And how did that change your entire outlook? Well, you know, I had been dreaming about 
experiencing virtual reality from when I was a kid. I, I had this sort of a difficult and lonely childhood. My mother died when I was little and, and that sort of thing. And I used to dream about some sort of a technology that would help people overcome loneliness by letting us experience more of all the magic, all the imagination going inside of someone else's head. And so I, I imagine this machine... And then when I found out that Ivan Sutherland created the headset, I, be, I started to dream very intensely of what it would be like to have this social version where people could share dreams through this technology. But I didn't get to actually experience it because it didn't exist yet. There wasn't any social version until we built it at my startup in the early 1980s. And I would say the greatest surprise for me was, I guess, going in, I had imagined it as a place where there'd be fantastic worlds, and the avatars might be interesting, but the avatars would really be just sort of puppets you'd inhabit. Uh, and the avatar is much more than just a puppet you inhabit. The, the, the avatar, which is more important to virtual reality than the, the world outside of you, you can change into different animals and still move about as if you were that animal. It's like your brain has this ability to take on different bodies. You can merge bodies with other people. You can change your perception. And this sense of virtuality as a way of changing yourself and how you perceive is the thing that was the great surprise. And what I realized is that virtuality is really not a medium of going to fantastic places, but of uh, it's the medium of changing your sensory motor loop, which is the way you perceive the world by interacting with it. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. really fascinating to hear how your interest took off, and I'm sure many of us can sympathize with that. But at the same time, many people will be concerned. Uh, a lot of us are easily addicted by computer games. We might spend hours of our lives on alternative realities through the medium of not even virtual reality, just sitting in front of a computer screen or a, or a smartphone. And then it, it seems like if you fuse that with a virtual reality headset, you've got the p potential to sit and live out an entirely alternative life just sitting down. And, and the potential physical and psychological effects, they could be profound. It's very, very important to think about the dark side of virtual reality. I certainly do. I think it has the potential to be both, both the most beautiful and the most meaningful and the most intimate and lovely and humanistic medium, but it also has the potential to be the creepiest and the most manipulative. When people think about the dark side, sometimes they start with what you just brought up, that people might retreat into a fantasy world but I think there's an even darker possibility, which is that virtuality could be used to manipulate people. You can think of it as the most wonderful medium of imagination, but equally it's possible to conceive it as the ultimate, uh, what we can call a Skinner box or a behavior modification machine. Because as soon as you are creating a feedback loop between what somebody does and what they experience, and you can control that, you can create behaviorist manipulations, and you, you can essentially take control of the person. My colleagues and I have already demonstrated rather creepy and scary results in laboratory conditions where we can make people more or less racist, make them do better or worse in a negotiation, and all kinds of other things within virtual reality, and the, the people don't realize that it's being done to them. Amazing so, self-help applications there, though, too. 
Yes, p- potentially, potentially there can, there can be extraordinarily positive. The, the, uh, you know, it can go either way, and what's important is for this to happen with the w- awareness so people make the choice to use it well instead of badly. Speaking of the future, uh, the... Um the TV series Black Mirror, I think, has been pretty fascinating, thought-provoking, because it's shown various uh, visions, sometimes quite dark visions of the future, sometimes quite hopeful of all the different applications uh, of technologies like virtual reality. I don't know how familiar you are with various different science fiction visions of the future, but what do you think will be the next 10, 20, maybe even 50 years as it unfolds? Dramatically different uh, in a virtual reality future? Well, um, this moment in time is a somewhat dark and scary and creepy one in general. Um, Speaking from the United States, it feels more precarious and bizarre than ever for us. And so... Since that is true, it becomes um, easy to imagine the darker scenarios coming about. It's easier to imagine something like what's shown in Black Mirror or the Matrix movies and so on. There have been a lot of portrayals of the dark side of virtuality, and I'm glad those exist. I think it's important. Um, I do have to say that if you look at history, you see that it varies in interesting ways that are often unpredictable. And I think there's a lot of hope that things can turn around. And that's essentially what I'm counting on. Creepiness, the darkness, um, is really just a form of confusion that we're going through as we enter into a new technological age. And as as we all get more used to it, as we all become a little more skilled at living in this kind of modern world that we've created, that will also overcome the darkness and the confusion and will make better choices. It's a question not only of how we feel about tech in the future, but whether we have faith in humanity. Uh, and, yeah, The Matrix, another very good example of how things could go badly wrong. Uh, even just 1% of a Matrix future would be frightening. Jaron Lanier, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm very grateful that you have me on, and I'm re- I really appreciate your questions and your interest.